Welcome to Behind the Story, where we discover the story behind your favourite stories. My name's Lisa Renee from the CoLab Press, and I'm also a contemporary romance writer. And I'm Naomi Craig. I write historical fiction set in Bible times. Um, today, we have an interview pre-recorded with Sandy Rebert, and she is, I found her over on Biblical Fiction Aficionados, the Facebook group, and she has a really interesting story. I'm really excited about this one. Um, she started out, this book was a play before it was a novel. So um, we had a great chat with her. And um, But before we get into that, what are you working on right now? Well, what I'm working right now is your edits, no, <laughs> that your critique for your um, New Testament um, biblical fiction. Yeah, so that's been really great listening to. Um, so I just finished Donna's first novella and then straight into yours, Naomi. Uh, you're the second one, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I can, tell, I can tell it's your writing, your author, your writing, your you? voice. How funny. It's like, <laughs> oh, all these verbs, all these strong verbs, motion straight away. <laughs> This is Naomi. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but both of, both of you really complement each other because it's you know Donna's her first time writing yeah. um, biblical fiction, but it's very you know she's really just nailed it. She's very it. deep. Yeah, she's got definitely got the emotional um, depth and layers happening. Uh, if you read any of her other books, like you're just sucked into the story. So it's like yeah. super intimidating because she's so amazing and. <laughs> No, you definitely like done in a month, and I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. We've got to work at our own pace and strength, but definitely, um, no, no, me, you're definitely up there with Donna. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. It's a, um, I've, I'm rereading it too, as if, um, you know, I'm critiquing her work in my own too, because I'm like, oh, that's an inconsistency for, you know, what the Bible says. So I'm like, that needs to change, or, you know, meshing hers with mine to get the storylines just, just right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, yeah. You go, we're writing at probably the similar time, but there were some things that needed to be linked up. Yeah. Which you're working out, but. So I'll probably be saying, da, 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 da. and obviously I know that you're going to win. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a, it's a good one. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's, I think it's really powerful, but it's also, we talked about it a little bit later too, but um, it's just like the Holy Spirit was so prevalent in early church. And I'm like, why are we not living? We still have the same Holy Spirit. Why are we not living like that today? So it's really been challenging. Yeah, it was very obvious. And um, I think it was Donna's one. Um, yeah, where basically they're expected to sell the possessions and all share it. <laughs> Which we, you know, we know what the scripture says, <laughs> but living that into our time, like, yeah. uh, um, my house. <laughs> I'll give you a I'll give you a, you know, a help when you need it, but uh, yeah, I'll lend you ten dollars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So selling your house. Um. Yeah. But I, I have heard the interpretation of that as well. You know, obviously people need to live in a place, but yeah, that some people had extra land or houses or whatever, and so they right. share that pool of wealth. You know what I mean? But yeah, and culturally, think? it's different here too. It's it's not. Um. I mean. I don't know. It's just culture is different. So is it wrong to have possessions? No, absolutely not. Because what can you do to honor the Lord when you have those, you know, um, it's, it's, I think it's the heart behind, behind it, you know, so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely thought-provoking. Uh, yeah, um, I have had my Trinity Lakes romance book out. Um, so the first week um, recording this, but yeah, it would have been out for a couple of weeks, a few weeks. So it's called I'll Always Choose You. And that's, you know, a Christian romance. So there is a lot of, uh, I guess, some perspective from maybe, you know, a lot of out of the reader is older, their um, parents or grandparents. But um, so even though my characters, the main characters are young, I guess other people can see themselves in the people right. in the church, you know, and the parents. Um, when sometimes when we step over the line and trying to direct young people and that balance, but uh, it's it's a rom com as well. Like, well, it's not a complete rom com. Um, I didn't. It's not got the rom com cover, so there's no pressure to make it all funny. <laughs> but I do right. put some awkward. Yeah, it's your voice. Yeah, yeah, funny, funny things. So yeah. yeah. So, that's cultural been- misunderstandings and uh, bringing in some hunky ex-con Australians and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is that really ex just because we're from Australia we're not ex-cons <laughs> no I'm sorry I didn't I haven't read his story is he is he he was just a troubled youth or did he actually get in trouble with the law um yeah we it doesn't really go into his background even in the the past one because oh, okay. he's not a main character but yeah he's yeah he's been in trouble yeah or whatever uh as a youth but yeah pretty early on he's been discipled so um and mental I'm sorry Marcus please forgive me I was not trying to judge hastily <laughs> just because he's got a tattoo doesn't mean it's ex- <laughs> judging see this is a perfect example <laughs> no 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 I did I did he did talk about that he yeah was got into mischief and up to no good and that kind of stuff so you're right you're right <laughs> like maybe I'm imagining things I'm I'm making the story up myself Filling, filling in the gaps that's what we do as readers don't we so yeah what, there you go. You, what are you working on <laughs> um I've, I've been um working on on and the number screw as well and then um I just got my cover for this year's release for uh celebrate lit so that's exciting and then I I got edits back for that so I'll have to kind of buckle down and but um I'm I'm doing it's interesting because you know you've got like I don't know if this affects you but like I've got I've got Barnabas and Ananias and New Testament happening in my brain and I've got um Sha'ira happening in my brain and I'm trying to write a short story for her like a pre-order bonus and so that's bringing Joseph, you know, coat of many colors guy in too as well. So it's, it's, there's a lot happening in my brain right now. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. So let's bring on our guest today. Please introduce her, Naomi. Yeah. So before um, I do introduce Sandy, we'd love for you to subscribe to Behind the Story, hit that um, like button, and then you can be notified when we bring on fantastic authors and talk about great books. Um, Our guest today is Sandy Reber. Sandy has written over 20 Christian plays, cantatas, musicals, and programs that have been used by churches across the U.S. and several foreign countries, and is presently turning her most popular dramas into novels. Sandy, welcome to Behind the Story. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Excellent. Okay, for those who don't, they're not that familiar with you, tell us a little bit about you and what you write. Okay. I'm a pastor's wife. Uh, My husband, Brian, and I have been blessed to have three grown children. I have a wonderful daughter-in-law and son-in-law, five grandchildren and one on the way. 
And we've been here in Maine for 43 years at the same church. Um, Wonderful. And so uh, besides the plays and novels, I've written articles for several Christian magazine publications and a piano course that's designed for Christians that incorporates him playing techniques. And I began writing plays and cantatas for our own church back in the 80s, so I'm dating myself. <laughs> and then in 1990, I decided to market them and I started my own in-house publishing. I called it Dramatic Difference Publications. Um, because I wanted to show the dramatic difference that Christ makes in a life through drama. And um, it's been a blessing. The Lord's taken it across the United States and around the world. Only the Lord could do that. And my greatest blessing is when I hear that someone came to Christ because of one of the programs. But when COVID struck in 2020, of course, nobody's doing plays. Nobody's having any meetings at all. So yeah. my ministry died. And I thought, wow, you know, and I prayed about it and I felt like the Lord was saying, you know what, you've already got stories, take those stories and make them into novels. And so I, that's what I started doing. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, we'll get into a little bit more about your plays here in a little bit, but um, to talk about the book we're highlighting today is Redemption's Promise. It's an exciting adventure romance set in Jerusalem during Jesus's death through his ascension. It also weaves Old Testament prophecies in, and their fulfillment in Christ. All this in a fast-paced fictional story you won't be able to put down. Tell us the story behind Redemption's Promise. Okay, so I wrote it originally as a play in 1998 for an Easter program. I wanted to have a different way to present the death and resurrection of Christ that was different than, you know, the normal thing that we usually have at Easter. And um, I wanted it to have a powerful gospel message and we've always used our programs as an evangelistic outreach to the community. I wanted something exciting that could involve lots of people, all ages. And um, through the years, it was amazing. We don't have a huge church, but the Lord gave us people that were really good at acting and singing, and they enjoyed doing it. They loved working together. There's a camaraderie you build when you work on a project like that. Um, yeah. And it takes everybody's gifts, you know, from building the set to the costumes, to the acting, to the music, to whatever. <clears throat> so that is really, um, was really a blessing. I don't know. Do you want me to, I can read the blurb on the back of the book that gives kind of a synopsis of the book. Are you interested in that? Yeah. Tell us a little yeah. bit about, um, about Jason and the story of, of, redemption's promise what's what's going on in jerusalem at this time okay so um when it starts out jason is just 16 years old it starts out with a chase scene through the streets of jerusalem he's being chased by a couple of roman soldiers um he finds out his father's been killed as an insurrectionist his mother is missing um ironically he's as he's escaping these soldiers there's a storm that comes along and he's so exhausted from running that he gets sick and he ends up taking shelter in the doorway, an archway type of doorway of uh, a home that turns out to be the home of a centurion who was one of the soldiers who had been chasing him. Oh, so, <laughs> so he escaped, but he didn't escape. Yeah. And um, this soldier um, had a son that died in infancy that would have been Jason's age if he had lived. And so the soldier wants to adopt Jason as his son and Jason of course does not want that at all he comes from a very good Jewish home and he doesn't want anything to do with it but then he realizes that maybe if he did this he could do some spying and help keep going what his father had started gotcha. so 
Yeah. So, and then he believes when he hears about Jesus, he thinks where Jesus can raise the dead and he can do all these miracles. He'd be great to head up an army. And so that's what he thinks the, that Jesus is there for. As many people did think that in the time that Messiah was going to free them from Roman tyranny. Um, but he ultimately, and it has, it's quite an involved story. It's very complex. But at the end, he realizes the true meaning of redemption's promise and that it's not to free them from the Romans, but it's freedom of soul. So that's that's in a synopsis without giving too much of <laughs> the story away. <laughs> no, that's good. That'll that'll pique some interest on, oh yeah, hey, I like that sort of story. That's yeah, well, it sounds like it starts off with a lot of action and it's um, interesting that you're doing it from Jason's point of view. Uh, is there, is it, Whose point of view is it? Just one person, the whole story? No, it isn't. I I take what um, a lot of editors don't like nowadays, but I I like the omniscient third person point of view, because I like to get deep into the characters and what they're thinking, and um, and I like it to reflect reality. In reality, one person doesn't stop thinking because another person is thinking. You know, when there you have two people together, you've got all that going on at the same time. So. I like to delve into deep into the characters and make it so you feel like you know these people by the time you're done. So no, it's different points of view. It's mostly from Jason's, but not all from Jason's point of view. Some of it's okay. Antonius. Some of it, there's a um, there's a romance involved. There's Ruth. I don't know if you can see her. <laughs> yeah, so. there she is. <laughs> so tell us some of Jason's quirks and his strengths. Okay. So he comes from a very devout, very close Jewish family. He's extremely loyal to his family and his Jewish heritage. He's He perseveres. He spends a lot of the time in the book looking for his mother who's missing. He never gives up on that. Um, and he feels very deeply, whether it's a romantic interest that seems hopeless or the tragedy of he has a close friend who um, faces a tragedy because of a decision that Jason made mm. and the guilt he feels is just overwhelming. So he feels very deeply. He's, he's mature because he has to be because mm -hmm. of the situation he's thrown into. So even though he doesn't feel courageous, he shows a lot of courage. He takes risks to continue his deceased father's goal to rid um, the Jewish homeland of the Romans so sometimes it's not always to his benefit to take those risks. So it's a very, um, like you said, it's an adventure. There's danger involved um, and very exciting. At the beginning of the story, he, um, he hates the Romans and through the majority of the book. But later on, he realizes that Christ died for them. And after he comes to know the Lord, if I could read just a short thing, it's just a couple sentences. This sums it up and gives you the idea where the where the uh, title came from, um, the life-changing words of Jesus that Nicodemus had shared with him, meaning Jason, echoed in his mind, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jason looked at the centurion. That includes Romans. Suddenly mm -hmm. he felt an overwhelming concern for his stepfather's eternal destiny. He reached out and touched Antonius's arm. Redemption's promise is not for the Jew alone, but for all men everywhere who will turn to Christ in repentance and faith. So that I love it. That's awesome. Where the title comes from? <laughs> yeah, I have I have John three sixteen playing into um, my New Testament 
coming yeah. up too. And that was my grandma's favorite verse. She, she, she said the point that made it for her was when somebody said, put your name in. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just, I have that for in honor of, in memory of my grandma. So oh, that's, that's really cool. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, so a random question. There's a Jason mentioned in Acts. Is this by yes. leading Thank up to Thank you for bringing week? him up. He is that Jason. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm working on a sequel and that will be brought out in the sequel. God. Gotcha. So when I wrote the play, I'm not, I don't remember if I had that in mind because it's been so long ago, yeah. but in writing the book, I plan, I left, left some loose ends at the end so that even though the story is complete in itself, because I'm writing a sequel that incorporates the apostle Paul. Right. And of course it would incorporate acts because saw Paul stayed at Jason's house. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes, it will. That will be in the sequel. Yeah. All right. You heard it first here. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so throughout the reviews on Amazon, there's constant mention of, I stayed up too late, two nights in a row. I can't put this down. And then perspective by Peter says, I may be a convert to biblical historical fiction. Yay. <laughs> so what do you, <laughs> what do you feel contributes the most to the urgency to keep reading? Okay. Um, I don't use any kind of a plot formula. I come up with a general idea for the story and the characters and the setting. And then the conflicts and attractions that happen between the characters, they kind of write their own story. And, um, so I think that helps. And sometimes when I'm thinking about, okay, like I have an idea of what's going to happen, but then another idea will come. And maybe this has happened for you too. The story just takes a totally different direction. Mm -hmm. So if it's a surprise to you as the author, it's going to engage your readers. Right. And um, I also, yeah, I also leave a lot of loose ends during the story that get tied together at the end. So if you want to find out what happens, you have to keep going. I love and then it. I like, I like to leave a few cliff uh, cliffhangers like this one. Jason nodded and stealthily sneaked into his room, safe for now. Dun, dun, so dun. For now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is this a little cliffhanger at the end of the... the yes, chapter? at the end of chapters. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I was reading a, a craft book that talks about... Um, yeah, a guy who does script writing and now he's writing novels like yourself. And he says, yeah, basically we need to cut the scene early, like enter late and leave early the scene. So often authors like to tie it up nicely and make it sound beautiful at the end. But, but that's just one more reason to put a bookmark in, isn't it? Yes. Right. <laughs> if you leave a little suspense there, then, then they want to keep going. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice so if you're watching um this episode comment below let me know what is a cannot stop reading point for you what is it that just hooks you into that next chapter and then you're staying up inevitably too late comment below and let me know what uh, what really hooks you in to a chapter so let's get back deep dive into the writing process the difference between script writing and, and writing for a novel obviously a novel is you know a long you're putting a lot of detail it's a lot of words and script writing is to the point so what's the the difficulties in each what what, what do you okay. and, and now that you've done both what what's your favorite okay boy I don't know if I have a favorite I love doing the scripts because I love seeing the story come to life um, I've directed over a hundred plays as a pastor's wife. You get by default, you end up directing programs. 
And so I've directed all my plays. I've been some of the characters. So it really helps you step into the story and, and feel what the characters are feeling, which is a help then for the novel. So I think they kind of work together. Mm -hmm. um, the scripts are shorter, obviously, and you have to write stage directions in a novel. You have to create everything with words, your set, your characters, how they act, how they react, how they feel. All those things are, you don't have the visuals available that you do when you're putting on a, a play. Um, so the script is easier, but it really helps, I think, then in writing the novel because you can get into the characters' minds and their yeah. hearts. And, and the thing I like about the novel, though, is that you do have more time to develop it. Um, there's some characters that are in the novel that are not in the play simply because I didn't have the time to put them in there. And um, and you can make more of a complex plot, you know, and you can go other places like when you have a small stage, we had a big set that was Jerusalem and it was really awesome. But the, the um, novel also goes to Jericho and Antioch where we couldn't do that on the stage that we had. So it's a li it's limited somewhat so that both have advantages, you know. Yeah. yeah. So is Jason's sequel, is that also a play first or is that first a novel? That is going to be a novel. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm right. Yeah. I'm at the age now where it's like, I can't do two 30 afternoon practices all Sunday afternoon and oh, make yeah. it through the evening. <laughs> I'm just getting too old for this. <laughs> you know, I'm so impressed because I mean, you say you have a small church, but I'm guessing it's not nearly as small as, as you're saying, because I don't, I don't think that without doing the legwork and doing everything like you I've, I'm also a pastor so I'm like that's not my calling right now I will not be directing like I've never been a director but like I, I don't know I'm so impressed that you're able to have all of that concluded in a nice tight bow and <laughs> so impressed <laughs> well we had people that were just perfect for the parts in fact sometimes I write parts for certain right. people so yeah how many people, how many characters are in, are in Redemption's Promise? In the play in for play? Redemption's Promise, oh boy, there might be 15 to 20 and then extras. So yeah, so because see, there's that some would town, be like, yeah. So you're already, <laughs> our, <laughs> our church is like um, 60 on a Sunday. So I think, <laughs> yeah. I think you're 15 to, that would be like way more than our little pool of resources yeah <laughs> just have to do a little scene just a little <laughs> scene Naomi for your church yeah, yeah. Well, I love my daughter is actually writing um scripts and stuff so she'll get these like little um these little brief skits and they're just hilarious like I'm so impressed by that too because I, I've got like a one-track mind and I work best if I'm working on that one thing so yeah <laughs> I actually went to a play last night um, at my Did you? my kids' high school. So, and I'm going to the theater in my city. I've just started. I just love it, like live theater, and yeah. I just think, yeah, well, it's there. I actually have a local theater down the street, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've never been. And um, yeah, I just love it. And it was just so great last night. You know, it's just obviously it's very dramatic, more dramatic or whatever than it, watching TV, the way the expressions and everything. But it's just so much fun. And that's what they would have done in the olden days. You would have no TV. You'd be going to live shows. You read your novels. Right. You go. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's definitely a different, a different medium. So, wow, that's really exciting. But you're finding 
obviously, yeah, I can imagine all the work that goes into it's not you're the director in your novel and it's easy just to, you know, add this scene, whereas you have to delegate, find someone to build that set, build that little right. stall or whatever, you know, scene card yeah. and stuff. So it's very complicated and in months and it months. Is. So it's not easier it to do a novel takes months and months to write and edit right. and proofread, but still a play is like a huge team and months and months. Right. Of, yeah. Yes, we start months earlier when we do a play. In fact, before COVID hit, we were working on an Easter play. Then we decided to do another big one. We hadn't done a big one for a long time. And one of the ladies said, why don't we do a big play again? So we did. We had another big set. And we got shut down two weeks before Easter oh, because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you were writing Redemption's Promise, did your goal change to now it's a novel? Like did the did the focus of the play flat the story well let's call it a story did the story <laughs> change at all from your original goal um as far as what i want to get across in it um i use my writing as a witnessing tool i'm not real good one-on-one -on, -one on my feet just talking spur the moment with people but, but if i can a sit down wife. and write, no, i know i know yeah right <laughs> and i can talk to a group because i can plan ahead <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it's the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, that I just, my husband can go up to anybody, total stranger, right. and just break up a conversation. I'm more introverted. And, but in a novel or a play, I can write things because I can think ahead. Right. <laughs> and um, so my main goal has always been in the plays and in the novel is to glorify the Lord and, and be a witness. So I have strong, clear gospel message in everything that I write. And I also have um, lessons for believers to be strengthened in their faith through the, what the characters are experiencing. And um, so I think the goals are the same. It's just a different audience now. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of expanded to a different, I mean, I'm still marketing the plays, so they're still being used at this point since it's post COVID, but mm -hmm. yeah, but, but now I have, it's kind of expanded. So it's neat how the Lord can take something right. bad and work That's it for good, nice. you know? Yeah. So you're yeah. saying that you it's for unbelievers, but of also the believer. So what about yourself when as you were writing it, did you get any lessons for yourself? Like what did you get out of it? Yeah, I think my greatest blessing, there there is a character in the novel that's not in the play because I didn't have time to put him in there, but it's an elderly rabbi named Benjamin, and he's a mentor to Jason, and they've been studying the prophets. And he, as he studies, and he hears more about Jesus and he realizes this fits together like this. This is the Messiah. I mean, it's just so exciting. He's so excited when he finally realizes it. And it. it really strengthened my faith to look at those prophecies and see the detail and how God fulfilled them in Christ. It's just, yeah, it was just overwhelming and such really just brought me to tears sometimes, you know, to think of how the Lord did that. That's beautiful. I'm just reading um, Naomi and Donna's um, New Testament and that's sort of how how clear it is because it's going so much deeper. Obviously, the Bible is very quick, you know, in the story, but they're going really deep into the characters and, yeah, connecting the Old and New Testament sort of thing. Um, and it really, yeah, like you're saying, it really comes alive and it gives you revelation. So it's yeah. a very powerful tool, definitely, story writing, novel writing. Yes, yeah, it really helps you dig deep into the scriptures that you offer. Yeah. otherwise, like you said, it'd be more surface. So take us back to, I think you said 1988 in your very first play. 
take us back to little Sandy back then. And what, tell us about that calling to write for the first time. Okay. Well, I actually think the call to write started when I was a child. It's, it's amazing looking back and you see how the Lord prepared you mm -hmm. for things. And you had no idea at the time what he was doing with that. But when I was young, my brother and I used to have these little wooden bricks that were like Legos. It was pre-Legos. And um, we used to have little Disney characters called Disneykins. And we would make up stories about these. We would build kingdoms on different tables in our basement, or else we'd have towns. And we'd um, use these characters and make up stories, constantly making up stories about them. So I think it was kind of the first preparation for being a writer. And then when I was a teenager, I really had a dream of being a writer someday. But I would write stories and I'd read them so many times I'd get sick of them. And I you know, like, forget that, you know. Um, but as far as publication, um, it was after college graduation and something that really helped me with college, I have a minor in speech. So I had some courses that were oral interpret, which is like acting. It's like right. taking characters in a book and you do all the characters. And um, so that, that was a help for writing. But I actually, my first things I wrote were... Um, magazine articles for Christian publications. I wrote some um, for the Little Red Schoolhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a homeschooling magazine. And um, the other ones I wrote for are no longer in existence. But, <laughs> and then in 1982, I actually had a novella published that I have recently republished. Um, and that one I turned into a play. So that one was the opposite. That was my very first. And then I went to plays and then, so it's kind of back and forth. <laughs> I love it. I think I do. I feel my, I was homeschooled. Um, so I'm pretty sure my mom had little red school. I feel like that, that sounds familiar. Yeah. It's a good, it's a great magazine for homeschooling. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, before we go, one more question, tell us something our readers will be surprised to learn about you. Okay. Um, I was blessed to be born into a very musical family. My mother taught piano. My dad was a high school band director. I had both of them for teachers. I did not appreciate it at the time. Although my dad, I did, I could do better with my dad because my mom was too, we were too much alike and we, we clashed. But even though I loved her, we just taking criticism from her was very hard for me. My dad could tell me anything. So, but I learned piano and flute. And I didn't realize until I was a, an adult what a gift they had put in my hands with the gift of music. And now I hated to practice that. I love it now. I don't have the time that I wish I had, but I've since uh, acquired, I, I play about a dozen instruments, some well, some not so well, but they're still there. And I really, really enjoy it. And never would have guessed when I was growing up that I would love to play different instruments. So That's cool. that is something very different. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> very cool. So uh, what's coming next? Is that Jason part two or what? What's next on the docket for you? I am working on three sequels. Don't ask me why I do it all at the same time, but <laughs> three sequels. And the West, I have a Western called The Innocent for the Guilty. That sequel is probably going to come out first. I've already started the one for Redemption's Promise and one for one I have set in Williamsburg, Virginia during colonial days. So I'm working on those and I'm hoping that Redemption's Promise sequel will be out by next easter maybe the the western one will probably be this summer i'm hoping you know all lord willing um and then i also started turning some other plays into dramas there's another biblical fiction one it's about a widow and her crippled son 
and um and then another western that i have and a civil war story um and i'm also i also started turning some of my books into <laughs> audiobooks so i'm doing all these things at once which is really yeah. crazy but that's, well, that's funny <laughs> no wonder why you don't have time for weekly practice. right i know <laughs> Excellent. So if people want to follow you and wait for when these novels come out, um, these audio books come out, where's the best way to follow you and keep in touch? Okay. Um, my website is dramaticdifference.com. I'm also on Amazon and BookBub and Goodreads. Uh, I have a Facebook group called Dramatically Different Christian Fiction that highlights books that have a clear gospel message. So there's several places. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Story. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And for those who want to connect with Sandy, we'll have the links in the show notes. And what's her giveaway, Naomi? Uh, Sandy is offering an ebook of Redemption's Promise, the book, not the play. So be sure to subscribe. Or it's actually, it's really simple. It's King Sumo is in the link in the comments below in the show notes. All you have to do is give us your email and then that way we can notify you if you are the winner. As, as a co-host, we have some freebies to give away. I have a novella, Fake Engagement Mistake. You can get that in ebook or audiobook. And Nomi has something as well. Yeah, uh, my novella on Desolate Heights uh, tells the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. That's free to download um, when you subscribe to my newsletter. And um, yeah, we're excited to have a great lineup coming up next. Um, we welcome Misu Andrews back with her biblical fiction as well. Wow, awesome. Well, that'll be great to have her back on the on the show with another release. It doesn't seem like it's been a year, hey? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think that was just a month ago. <laughs> that was like the end of last year, yeah. Where's it? Yeah, that's funny. So thank you for joining us on this edition of Behind the Story. Until next time, let us run with endurance. This race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See you next time.